I'm Manuel Grady, and today I'm in Greensboro, North Carolina with the Christian Family Online in America organization. I'm here to report on a new podcast that Christian Family Online is launching. It has an intriguing name, Saving Christianity. I'm here to interview the co-hosts of this unusual podcast, and their names are Owen Allen and John Shields. They're here with me now in the station and the studio here, so let's start by greeting them. Hello, Owen, John. Good to be with you this morning. How are you guys doing? Oh, thank you, Manuel. A joy to be here. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you, Manuel. I'm excited that we can be together. All right. Now, let's start at the beginning here. So the name of your new podcast is Saving Christianity. So why do you think Christianity even needs saving? And Owen, why don't you just start? And then, John, you jump in here when Owen's finished, and we'll just get started like that. Well, that's a perfect question, Manuel, and that is, that is the title of my new book, Saving Christianity. And many people may see that in the bookstore somewhere and think, well, I didn't realize Christianity needed saving. <laughs> uh, but when you stop and think about it, uh, in the in the Bible, both in Hebrew and of the Old Testament, Greek of the New Testament, and even the English translation, uh, translation of those two ancient languages, uh, the word saving means the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, it means to preserve, it means to restore, it means to uh, keep for future use, uh, it means to deliver from judgment. It has mm-hmm. many, many meanings. And of course, <clears throat> I've studied. Uh, Christian history and the denominations for most of my life. And we've talked about this, I know, off camera, but uh, actually Christianity, if you measure it a couple of different ways, number one, as far as worship attendance, Uh, On the Lord's Day, that has been steadily dropping since 1950. Most people don't realize that. And the most recent figure was that only 16% of the American population now attends in-person worship. And, of course, I personally believe now with the horrible 2020 that we've been through with the COVID crisis, I feel sure that's 10% or less now. And here's the kicker. Those people will probably never come back. Surveys show that most of them either drop out of Christianity completely or they join some other religion like the New Age or whatever. Mm -hmm. But finally— Another thing that we can measure is the decreased influence Mm. that Christianity has on America. We all know that in the 16, 17, 1800s, uh, church buildings and the Christian uh, experience uh, was central in communities. Absolutely. Uh, even many times the Absolutely. so-called church building doubled as a classroom, community center, mm-hmm. all of that for communities. All of that's over. Yeah. All of that's yeah. over. And finally, um, uh, you can tell by the change in morality of the American, what I call the coarseness Mm. of American culture. I mean, I hear things and comments and words being used on network TV today by the news commentators that they would have been cut off the air Mm -hmm. 40, 50 years ago. But now that kind of language, that kind of slang uh, is accepted. Mm -hmm. And so 
for all those reasons, I thought, well, somebody's got to do something. So with uh, uh, John's encouragement sitting here beside me, uh, we wrote this book. Yeah. It published it in February of 2020, and we're very excited because we think we have some of the answers to this terrible crisis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, for me, Manuel, it's uh, pretty ditto of everything that um, Owen just said. and. Yeah. A, a couple things really uh, uh, stand out for me, and, and one Owen mentioned, and that is the, the disparity between what Christianity is in its essence um, according to uh, not only what the, the Bible has to say but how it's actually lived out. And, and when you lay that template over our culture and you see that the, the wide gap. Um, and with that, I also see... Everywhere we look, there are people that are are struggling and hurting, and uh, yeah. and, and 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 really, at the end of the day, uh, I hope that the message of of Christianity uh, is the good news that we talk about. Yeah, but they've never really experienced it, and it's not because uh, that, that 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 Christianity has failed. Mm-hmm. It's because we have failed to understand Christianity for for what it truly is. And so this is all, in some measure, trying to get back to that at the end of the day to make a difference, a real difference in um, people's everyday lives, including ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the, the way we look at it, this could be somewhat of a dystopian, bleak outlook. But as mm-hmm. you said, this there, it is the good news. Yes. It's not failed us. Perhaps we have failed it. Right. So, Owen, um, I understand the idea for the podcast came from your latest book, Saving Christianity, which was published this year by Seymour Press. Now, tell us why you wrote the book and what the book is all about. Well, we've really, I guess, been touching upon that already, Manuel. Mm-hmm. But um, what I have discovered in my life, frankly, since childhood, uh, is that um, what uh, there's an old saying that a man used, a friend of mine used to say, don't you think God's bigger than what you see on Sunday morning? Uh, in other words, um, the traditional denominations and the traditional worship services, and I'm sure we'll get into some of this as we go along, uh, but um, they bear no resemblance at all mm, to right, the kind of right. worship experience that Christians had, what I call the original Christians in the first three centuries of Christianity. Yeah. So I made it my business some years ago to study what was it that they did? Why were they different from Christians today? Mm-hmm. Where did their power come from? Where did mm-hmm. the healings and the visions and the other wonderful experiences come from? And so I began to study all of that, and I feel like I found some of the answers, and so I wrote the book to put those answers on paper mm. uh, so other people could see them and read them. And so essentially then, what is the book all about? It's all about what is, or I should say, what was Christianity originally, and how can we get back to that, what I call Christian experience mm-hmm. today? John already touched upon that. And there's a little motto that I use, if we do what they do, mm-hmm. did, we'll have what they had. Right. And yeah. so that's the theme of the book. Right, and, right. Man, well, I want to jump in and sure. just say, you know, you don't know what you don't know. 
That, that's one of my <laughs> mottos. You and, know? And, and so, uh, you know, what, what we've seen is so many people that uh, are not engaged in, in, in faith with mm-hmm. Christ, um, they really haven't rejected uh, they they've him uh, and what God's word says, but yeah. they have rejected this uh, really distorted, confused, uh, generic uh, part of, of what uh, the authentic faith is. And so, uh, what we're what we're hoping through the book, the podcast, to any and all means that God allows, is to help people. To, to come back to see the original template, the original blueprint, right, and at least be able to make uh, a decision based on that which is that you, is accurate. That's good. You know, I learned many years ago from one of my mentors. You know, to piggyback on that is all you know is not all there is to know. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing from your statement yeah. that people haven't rejected the person of Jesus. Right. They may, may have rejected our presentation That's right. that has been an error. Yeah, exactly. Um, our lives inform us of our world and why we get involved in what we get involved mm-hmm. with, how you know it shapes our worldview and even our view of Christ. So on um, on a personal note, tell us a little bit about your background, where you're from, if you have children, and um, what's your career educational background? Well, also let me say, tuck in sideways here, something that should be evident from what we're saying, and that's this. There are many, many religions on earth. Many mm-hmm. people have never stopped to think about that. Some sources say there are 400 major religions on the planet. Some say many others. But of all of those religions, of all of those religious experiences, mm-hmm. Christianity is the most amazing, yes, stunning, absolutely. power-filled, rewarding, Real. exciting yeah. religion on the face of the earth. And we just want more people, even professing Christians who are not experiencing Mm -hmm. that, to start experiencing Mm -hmm. it. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Now, about me, um, I don't like to talk about myself (laughs) much, but as one of my editors used to say, I'm the oldest horse in the barn. Uh, I... um, We, uh, Joanna and I have four children, uh, 12 grandchildren, and so far eight great-grandchildren. Wow. So we have a fairly big family, but I am a Floridian. Okay. My parents lived in Jacksonville, and then when I was eight or nine or ten, I don't remember the age, we moved to Tampa, and I grew up in Tampa, mm. had a wonderful experience. We were on a ranch there and just many things I could talk about. But I, at the age of 17, I joined the Marines and left Florida and never went back except for vacations. I've lived all over the country, mm-hmm. St. Louis, New York, Chicago, different places. And uh, as far as my career, uh, when I was in my 30s, I started my own consulting company and ran it until just recently, uh, international practice uh, in problem-solving decision-making for companies. I'm sure we'll come back to that in a few minutes. Educationally, I guess I'm what they call a professional student. <laughs> I started in the 50s, and I still study today. So, But my degree is in organizational behavior. We'll probably mention that again. But uh, it finally occurred to me, why didn't I take the principles that I was using with team building, for mm-hmm. example, 
with my clients, which were companies like General Electric, John Deere, Hilton Hotels, why didn't I take what I was teaching those people and apply it back to Christianity? Because it it gradually dawned on my adult brain that the small (laughs) groups they had in the first, second, third centuries really are what we call teams today yeah. and mm-hmm. team building. Mm-hmm. So that's where all of this folded into the book, and we put a Christian spin on it. I've been a Christian since I was 11, mm-hmm. been disillusioned most of those right. <laughs> years, as John mm-hmm. mentioned. Yeah. So that's a little bit about me. Okay. Now, let's get back into our subject matter here, because the question comes to mind, if things are so bad in Christianity— then how do we explain the growth of megachurches? I mean, I know of megachurches that have um, uh, two, 3,000 members and more. And so um, I would be willing to wager that their pastors don't see a problem with Christianity because of the nickels and noses. The money, the attendance, and things like that may, in some people's minds, reflect a certain degree of success mm-hmm. and even favor from God. Mm-hmm. So um, you, you, you guys, own oh, John, speak to that. Yeah, I, uh, um, I I would say to that, um, it, it it gets back to uh, how you actually measure that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. If you're if you're measuring it in numbers, then for sure they, they people wouldn't see a problem with that. But right. uh, but if you look beyond the numbers and and look at people actually, um, that's a good book title for your next yeah, job. Yeah, beyond the numbers, right? Beyond the numbers, <laughs> I like that. Yeah, uh, of how they are actually living. Uh, their life, uh, what are they experiencing in yeah. their daily mm-hmm. walk, and or uh, yeah. uh, and just um, the influence uh, or lack thereof we're having um, on our communities and in our culture at large, um, then you don't have to go very far to see that right. uh, Houston we have a problem. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Oh, and you're feeling on that. Well, All the numbers, the, the yeah. big buildings. And, yeah. See, there's another way to look at that too, because. Okay. Um, uh, back some years ago, there were only five or six uh, mega churches in America. Now that's measured as a minimum of two thousand worshipers every Lord's Day. Right now, there are I last figure I saw was about fifteen hundred. Mm-hmm. So they've jumped from six or seven to over a thousand. Sure. So people say, "Hot dog! Look at that! There's no problem in Christianity." And many of those pastors will say that on radio and TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't see a problem. But let's stop and think a second. Why are the mega churches growing? Mm-hmm. Where are those people coming from? Mm-hmm. All right. Because we know that the pool, the pool of Christianity, I'm sorry to say, is shrinking. Mm-hmm. We know that several decades ago, 91% of the American population professed Christianity. Right. Today, only 71% do, and it's dropping. Mm-hmm. Well, if that's happening, then where are the mega churches coming from? And what analysis shows is, as the smaller churches fail and close, mm-hmm. yes. and we'll probably come back to that thought, those survivors are looking for somewhere to go. Half of them stay home. The other half look for a mega church. Mm -hmm. Not so much, mind you, for the spirituality of it, Mm -hmm. but for the excitement in the programs, the scouts and Mm -hmm. the concerts and all the hoopla that the mega churches can offer that attracts people. So what the pastors of the mega churches, uh, many of them I know personally, don't 
realize is that they're getting survivors of a disaster. Wow. Their church is not an indication that Christianity is successful in growing. Right, and so that becomes a cannibalization uh, mm-hmm. of the church, kind of feeding, you know, mm-hmm. off itself. That's it's like good, it's, it's parasitic. Good, great yeah. way to say it. There, there, there was a pastor that that told me years ago. He said basically, you know, mega churches just um, swallow up was his term. You mm-hmm. know, smaller churches, mm-hmm. and then you have this. Um, I want to be delicate here, but um, yeah. this is inbreeding, for lack of a better term, where we're not really winning people to Christ. We're just shuffling the cars back and forth, you know? And and so based on this, when I think about the numbers, the question we're we're dealing with, John, there are a lot of things that are big. You know, uh, years ago, um, I had some swelling in my arm Mm -hmm. and um, when I was really thin, so you could tell how many years ago that was, and um, (laughs) maybe 160 pounds back then. And it it looked great. I was like, look at that, it's like a muscle, but it was swelling. And the Lord spoke to me, swelling is not growth. Correct. So there are a lot of things that might be swollen and large, but it's not necessarily growth. I love it. So so, um, when we look at this, if, if this is true, let me ask you this, and can either of you uh, give our listeners an example of a church building closing, because to be honest, I, I haven't seen any church buildings um, <clears throat> closing in the neighborhood. Well, let me take a shot at that before mm. John. Mm. <laughs> uh, statistics show that several thousand mm-hmm. church buildings are being abandoned each and every year. Wow. Yeah. And, for example, where we live in the state of North Carolina, uh, in the past three or four years, four real estate records show mm-hmm. that 40 have been abandoned. Mm-hmm. And in wow. the county in which I live, the past couple of years, 10 have been abandoned. Mm-hmm. So that's telling you that the population is shrinking and there nobody's attending, so they close mm-hmm. up these buildings. And you said the past couple of years, so yes. we cannot blame this on the pandemic. Correct. Exactly. Oh, that's correct. Exactly. And yes. so I can give you a very painful mm. example. Mm. Uh, my wife's, uh, Joanna's home congregation was in Greensboro, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And several years ago, they were down to 10 or 11 attendees. Now, when she was a young woman and young girl, they had several hundred. Right. Mm -hmm. So they padlocked the building with everything completely as it was. There were hymn books on the pews. There were files on the pastor's desk. The library was full of books. They padlocked the building. They kept the heat and stuff on. For several years, they couldn't do anything with it. Recently, about a year ago, they had their final reunion. Mm. I went to it with my wife. They had a covered dish dinner. Everybody hugged and cried, and then they bulldozed the building. And wow. today, it's a parking lot. Yeah, wow. That is not a random experience. Right, that right. is a national experience. Right, yeah. mm-hmm. And that's why we're alarmed, and that's why yeah. we wrote this book. Yeah, and from our studio here, uh, Manuel, um, we could we could leave here and, and within a five mile radius yeah. of, of this place. Um, I know for a fact that there are there are church facilities, um, church buildings, all around us that uh, are week to week mm-hmm. that um, yeah. have you know twenty twenty five people right and uh, no prospect for growth. Mm. Um, and in any way, and so 
uh, it's just uh, unfortunately, um, unless something God intervenes, um, that's going to be the story of yeah. these other congregations as well. And and that's dire because they're yes. the tributaries of the effect of that, the collateral yes. damage of that are more far-reaching than we even have time to discuss in this wow. particular episode yeah. because um, when that happens, a pastor, a leader's self-worth then comes into question. Mm-hmm. You know, what am I doing wrong? What's wrong with me? Um, and maybe some of the congregants may say, well, only if you had, you know, yeah. if you had been here, my brother would yeah. not have died. Jesus, right. you know? yeah. Yeah. And so yeah. there's so many other things we see with pastoral depression and yes. and unfortunately and suicide. suicides. Yes, you know, yes. Um, that that's there. So I've I, I've got to confess to you guys, but to be honest, I did some research now before I came to the studio today, and I I do know that the, what the two of you are saying is true. Mm. There are a plethora of, mm. of churches that are closing. So, yes. you know, uh, we've given this interview the title "Where Have All the Christians Gone?" Where have all the Christians gone? And I know yeah. some people may think that's fantastical or whatever, mm-hmm. but um, I actually did find that the Christian population in America has shrunk. And as we said, you know, when you look at the statistics from 91% to 71% in recent decades, mm-hmm. 20% drop in the Christian population. So we're, we're in a real situation here. Actually, mm-hmm. I did find that worship attendance has also fallen 50, from 50% each Sunday, mm-hmm. which any kind of attendance where you can get half of the of the <laughs> populace out, whether it's a football fan base Amen. or whatever, that would be great. Fifty percent uh, each Sunday to sixteen percent each Sunday in just a few decades, mm-hmm. and a thirty four that's a thirty four percent drop in yeah, attendance. Correct. That that would shake the knees of any of your corporate clients away yeah, <laughs> from Hilton right. to anybody to have that kind of drop. Yeah, it's so, a free fall. It's a free fall. Yeah. Mm. So, um, um, I see what's motivating you guys. So tell me this. What makes the two of you think that your Saving Christianity podcast can help in the crises that we're facing in Christianity? Well, let me take a shot at that first, and then John can pick it up. You know, there's a a beautiful scripture Mm. uh, in Hebrews that says, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so when you stop and think about it, the spirituality, the spiritual power of Christianity is the very same today as it was in the first century when Christianity was founded. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. the question now becomes, well, then what's happened? Because Mm -hmm. many Christians today uh, do not have the power, the spiritual power, the gifts, the fruit of the Spirit that they had in ancient times. Mm -hmm. So where did it go? Mm -hmm. God didn't go anywhere. The Holy Spirit didn't go anywhere. The fruit and the gifts didn't go anywhere. So what has happened? And that was the question Mm -hmm. I set out to solve in my book. Mm -hmm. What happened to the power, Mm -hmm. and can we get it back? Yeah, and I found both answers, and they're in that book. Yes, so uh, that's the way I feel about it. And I I would just add to that also um, for both of us. Owen uh, uh, is a little bit older than I am, um, so he experienced he experienced this earlier than I did. Right, but nevertheless, we both have experienced it. Uh, For me, it was early on in my Christian experience in the early eighties. Where um, we lived out, both of us, uh, we lived out and in community of 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 just uh, 
of of what the book is about yeah. and what we're what we're tr- talking about and uh and quite frankly we miss that mm. and um, we know yeah. that it's uh we know that it's real that it's available and and um we just uh, we know that we've got uh t- you know 20 20 centuries of sediment to yeah. dig through yeah. <laughs> um, but we feel like it's worth the dig yeah a little bit of spiritual yeah. archaeology going yes, on there yeah. <laughs> so so as you mentioned you guys have been friends for 30 years mm-hmm. you know that's that, that's that's worth the price of a mission to a podcast in itself is relates relationships um and so what do you what did you guys meet and how have you remained friends for all those many years mm. well for me uh, i met owen first uh, when i was um, uh, a young college bible college student okay. uh, preparing to vocationally uh, serve as a minister and uh and uh, I just we you know we were friends and and uh, it just was um, I, I, you know not to have a cliche but mm-hmm. it was just a it was just a God thing. Yeah. Um, um, I don't know that he necessarily uh, looked at it like I did, but um, particularly I saw him as having uh, so much more life experience than I had, and mm-hmm. if I whatever I could learn from him to help me. Um, I knew that would be beneficial, and um, it was just a, a like-mindedness um, right. I, from the beginning. And I saw him as a, as a Paul, mm-hmm. and uh, I was a Timothy. Okay, and um, I think everybody needs a Paul and a Timothy Absolutely. in their life. Absolutely. And uh, and so that uh, circumstances, I moved away for a while, and uh, then I moved back and. Um, the busyness of life, but uh, mm-hmm. we were uh, able to really get back connected in 1994. Okay, and um, we've been on the on uh, the uh, friendship, deep friendship, working together ever since then. And, and from that, tell us a little bit about your background. You know, wife, children, and um, where you've worked, education, career. Yeah. Yeah, well, Owen is a Floridian, and I'm a Virginian. All right. And, uh, <laughs> that sounds like a football rivalry. Yeah, right? <laughs> it does. It does. It does, yeah. But I grew up in Virginia, in small town, rural Virginia, worked mm-hmm. on a farm mm-hmm. all my life growing up. Um, actually thought that that's where I would uh, actually be born, live, and die. Right. And that right. was kind of my worldview. Mm-hmm. And uh, thankfully, God had um, a bigger plan than that. And um, when I came to faith, um, when I was uh, about 21 years old, okay. um, I came to faith, and it's been a, a quite an adventure since then. Um, I, I'm married, and uh, my wife's name is Kit, and uh, we have four children that are grown and gone now. And, uh, <laughs> Hallelujah! Right? Yeah, yeah. Just it's just us. I got one that was gone, and, it, and she came yeah, back. You're right. right. Yeah, yeah. boomerang instead of an yeah, arrow. Yeah, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah, and just us and the dog. And um, I uh, I went to Bible college, and um, I, I left, finished Bible college, and went to seminary, and mm-hmm. graduated. Um, from seminary, and I've been uh, pastoring for uh, vocationally for almost thirty years now. And so you, you you went to you have a degree in theology, correct? You went to seminary, mm-hmm. but did any of that prepare you for what we're facing today in Christianity? No. <laughs> uh, yeah. Are you sure? I'm gonna give you another shot at yeah, that. Yeah, any yeah, of that? Yeah, I don't have to. I don't have to think. You have to vet that with anyone. No, yeah. You know. Okay, let me ask. Um, <clears throat> As a full-time pastor, does does it make you uncomfortable 
to be the co-host of a podcast that says Christianity is in trouble. Um, um, what do your members think? Your congregation think about your podcast and and these things going public because we're kind of talking about the family yeah. business now. You know, right. some of the things that we used to cover thinking almost to the point, you know, what happens in this house stays in this house. But yeah. um, the house has a leak in it. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I um, um, I'm not uncomfortable at all in it. Um, in fact, um, it's. Um, it's a breath of fresh air for me. Right, it's refreshing. Yeah, it's it's extremely refreshing. Um, you know, it's one thing to to uh, see the problem, but it's another to be able to work towards a solution. Absolutely. Um, once I was working and um, during a break in ministry um, a few years ago, and the, the the gentleman I worked for every morning. Um, at our staff meeting, he would tell us that uh, if you bring me a problem, then um, you need to bring a solution with you. Yeah, for mm-hmm. two or three solutions. So, yeah. I, you yeah. know, we've been, you know, in different circles, we've been people uh, see that there is a problem. They can't put their finger on what that problem is yeah. exactly. Uh, but nevertheless, we know that there is one. Mm-hmm. And so, We've been able to um, really identify that problem, um, what we perceive it to be, and not just talk about it, but uh, let's look for a solution. And um, we believe that we're we're on to yeah. to the solution to this. And it's so true because the reality is that <clears throat> as it relates, the emperor has no clothes. Correct. And and um, we don't want to talk about the fact that the emperor's up there, you know, unclothed, but it is evident. And we have hidden it behind things like, oh, we're in transition. Yes. Um, it's a it's a, a, a shaking. It's a falling away. It's yeah. a dividing asunder. Great and we've, revivals coming. Oh, we've dressed yeah. it in so much, you know, religious language as an excuse so as not to deal with it. And I think it's important because our people see it. Yeah. They, they see when yeah. they come to church that it's fewer and fewer, yeah. it's less and That's less right. passion. So, Owen, oh, okay. Your, I'm asking you the same question. Your education uh, is in organizational behavior, and so you were formerly, formerly as you mentioned, uh, management consultant for Fortune 500 companies, John Deere, General Electric, Hilton Hotels, among them. So, why do you think the principles of organizational behavior can help uh, the crises that we're in in Christianity? And first of all, for our listeners, um, describe what organizational behavior is in a vocational capacity. Yeah, well, if you go to management schools or schools of management, one of the uh, majors that you can major in is organizational behavior, which mm-hmm. we students called OB for short. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, organizational behavior is a new discipline. It's 20, 30 years old. It's composed of math and stuff which had been around for centuries. Uh, it's a combination, actually. Uh, it, it includes uh, psychology, sociology, uh, archaeology, anthropology. All of those are mixed together. Uh, and I had courses in all of them, 
And I studied intently and did a lot of work in human personality, why people do the things that they do, motivation, all of those areas. And so you can obviously see where that not only helped major companies that I work with, and I tell some stories about that in the book, Mm -hmm. but also uh, you can see that why you eventually swing around and focus that on Christianity and what's going on. For example, example, um, Gallup polls are extremely interesting, and most people know what a Gallup poll is. Uh, I knew George Gallup personally. He's Mm -hmm. deceased now, but one night we were having dinner in Washington and talking about, he, by the way, was a strong Christian and was very concerned about what he used to speak on TV about the problem that we're talking about. So we were talking about when he does uh, Gallup polls of Christians and asks their behavior uh, question, asks them, how do you feel about morning worship, for example? Right. How do you feel about the congregation of which you're a member or of which you just dropped out recently? <laughs> and uh, the answers were always the same and have been for decades. Imagine this now, you know, mm. fasten your seatbelt because yeah. uh, the Gallup polls show that most Christians, even those who are active mm-hmm. attendees, mm-hmm. think about that a second, yeah. will tell a pollster privately that they feel that their congregation is hypocritical, yeah. that mm-hmm. their congregation is irrelevant, mm-hmm. uh, that their congregation really has no impact on their life at all. Sure. So you say, well, why do you attend then? Mm-hmm. And they say, what choice do I have? Right. It's either that or stay right. home and read a book, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. So it's horrible. It yeah. makes you want to tear your hair out. Right. So uh, to, answer your, <laughs> to answer your question then, uh, how does, um, how does uh, uh, organizational behavior fit the picture? I touched mm-hmm. upon it earlier, but I did a tremendous amount of training and what we call teams and teamwork. For these major companies, I did this for years, uh, and it would completely revolutionize uh, their uh, their production, their productivity. Mm-hmm. You say, well, who cares about that? Well, wait a mm-hmm. minute. Shouldn't Christians be productive? Absolutely. Shouldn't yeah. Christians be concerned with productivity? Mm-hmm. The only difference is we're not producing lawnmowers. We're, right. <laughs> we're trying to produce <laughs> spiritual people. Absolutely. Whereas many people today, of course, are non-spiritual or unspiritual, right. if you want to use that word. So I believe that the principles that worked uh, in um, my business career as a consultant and as a trainer and as a business writer, I wrote a number of business books before mm-hmm. I wrote this Christian book, Uh they apply just as well because behavior, mm-hmm. motivation, and human nature are the same everywhere you go, whether it's in a, a John Deere or whether it's in your local Christian congregation. Absolutely. Yeah. And so there's an old saying in management, recognizing that a problem exists mm-hmm. is half the solution. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I recognize right. that a big problem exists, and so now we're trying to craft a solution. That's good. That's good. You know, in my pastorate many years ago, I would do a, you know, we have the State of the Union address <clears throat> by the president, excuse mm-hmm. me, and I would do the State of Our Church address. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, 
one of the things I did that a lot of pastors thought perhaps wasn't a good idea is what you recommended. I would put out a survey mm-hmm. um, and among those questions, it would be like, what do you not enjoy? Mm-hmm. You, like you said, you know, well, so it's hypocritical, it's whatever, right. but it helped me and it helped me to, you know, tune up myself. And a lot of, I think leaders yes. don't want to self-evaluate. Right. right. Oh yeah. And if you Reluctant. don't self-evaluate, sure. you end up doing the autopsy of your ministry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So it's better yeah. to go to the doctor, the natural and in the spiritual. Yes. You know? yeah. well, well, gentlemen, let's summarize our discussion to this point. So our listeners can get a good overview of what we've been discussing here. So given all uh, that we've said today, let's ask this question. Um, don't you think that people today are too educated and too technical, perhaps too busy to be bothered with a deeper walk in Christianity. And um, on you first and John, you know, one of the things we have on Sunday morning, it used to be that it was unthinkable when you were children, even me, Mm -hmm. I'm only about 10 or 15 years younger than you gentlemen, um, Mm -hmm. to wake up on Sunday morning. And if you were a Christian household, not go to church. Now we wake up and we're making up our mind. Are we going to church? Are we going to golf? Are we going to brunch? Are we going to Cracker Barrel? The mm-hmm. options, oh, the yeah. options that we have made level Correct. with our worship is a little bit disturbing to me. So, John, we start with you. Are we too technical? Too educated? Well, uh, Ian, the the answer to that is uh, that that is a hindrance. Yeah, uh, and no question about that. We recognize that. But uh, that being said, the other the the other side of that is um, no. Um, <laughs> Uh, there's, uh, we we also recognize uh, that um, the masses, uh, you know, God has a heart for the masses, um, but we also know that the masses um, have not, will not respond. Yeah. Uh, so we believe there is, um, I don't know what percentage we don't know, but we believe there is a fairly large percentage of people out there that are. Despite those distractions, um, are searching. Yeah, absolutely. And um, Always. they are actually searching, and they in their life, if, if if they were judgment day honest, is empty. Yeah. Ooh. And uh, and 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 they feel that emptiness, and now they try to fill it, of course, in a thousand different ways. Yeah. But um, at the end of the day, it's empty. And so, yeah, we definitely we believe. Um, uh, you know, we're not uh, um, arrogant uh, or, or uh, as the Bible says, we don't think too highly of ourselves sure. to think that we've uh, the only two people that have, have, have figured out the problem. But nevertheless, um, we, we we do believe that um, this is of God. Um, Absolutely. And that this is of the Spirit and that... And so we're following his leading. It's mm-hmm. not just uh, Owen and, and I. It's not our uh, 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 just a good idea, right, right, we came up with. So, therefore, we're trying to do our, our due diligence. Exactly. exactly. And, um, and, 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 and the results are going to be um, we're swinging for the fence. We have to. And um, so we're, we're – the results we're going to just trust to him. Yeah, the stakes are too high to bunt right now. Correct. Or, you That's know, right. we got to swing for the fences, yes. and yeah. and not to be overly dramatic, but you know, one point the Lord said, "I've got seven thousand more that That's haven't right. bowed the knee yeah. when someone thought that maybe they were out there by themselves." Right. And the fact that I'm at this table with you, gentlemen, mm-hmm. in the studio, I think is symbolic of the many like-minded men and women yes. that have a true concern for this, Correct. and maybe have not found a platform. That's why right. I'm so excited about the podcast. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. same question to you on. Um, 
as we look at people's busyness, the, the, the education, the technical acumen that we have, that perhaps we've um, ego, E-G-O, edged God out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, you know, uh, we've, we've sort of answered that uh, roundabout way through several of our questions, but we said that uh, the Holy Spirit has not changed mm-hmm. uh, since the first century. But think about it, neither have people. Absolutely. And a lot of times we don't realize until we read their letters and read the history, uh, read the diaries that they left behind, the people in the first century, the people that I call the original Christians, (laughs) were exactly the same as we are. Mm -hmm. They were very busy for one thing. Many of them worked, the old farmer said, from can't to can't. (laughs) You know, they can't see when they get up and Uh, they can't see when they go to bed, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. from dark to dark. Mm -hmm. Uh, Many of them were extremely busy. Uh, Many of them were extremely intelligent. Paul, for example, Mm, uh, had the equivalent of a doctorate of his day and was a very brilliant, educated man. Mm -hmm. So when you think about it, they were as busy. And there's another thing, one other real quick that people don't realize. Uh, Israel in those days was an enemy-occupied country. Absolutely. uh, Mm -hmm. In the same way, for example, that maybe the Nazis occupied France in our time. The Roman army had conquered Israel and installed a Roman governor for Rome over the country. Mm-hmm. And soldiers dominated everything, and you had to do what they said. If a soldier stopped you on the street and said, carry my luggage, you had to carry it, sure. those types of things. And then, of course, there were terrible abuses. Mm-hmm. And so think about it now. Here are these early Christians They're living in an enemy-occupied country. They're surrounded by enemy soldiers. Mm -hmm. They're working from dark to dark. Mm -hmm. Many of them were highly educated. Of course, many were not. Sure. In those days, the average person couldn't read or write, but they were still bright. They were humans, Mm -hmm. and they had all the feelings that we have. Now then, if they Mm -hmm. were driven and motivated and compelled to become Christians, there had to be a reason. Mm -hmm. And that's why I don't call uh, Christianity a religion. I call it an experience. Mm -hmm. And and then that experience goes deeper and deeper and deeper. Absolutely. And you, so you said you named this segment, this episode, where have all the Christians gone? Absolutely. Well, I would say, why did they go somewhere? Mm -hmm. Excellent. Why didn't they stay where they were worshiping? Mm -hmm. Or why do they, they don't, they never worshiped at all? You know, there are many, many professing Christians don't worship anywhere, Absolutely. as we've already said from this statistic. So there's much that we could say there, but let me say this. When you've experienced the deeper walk of Christianity, you're different forever, and you hunger for it forever, mm-hmm. and you want more of it forever. Mm-hmm. And this is what we want, everybody we know, and we can contact to experience, and this is why we're starting this new podcast and we've published this new book. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. And you will know them by their love. It is an evolving, (laughs) life-changing experience. Mm -hmm. 
And so, friends, there you have it. This concludes today's interview with the co-host of Christian Family Online's new podcast, Saving Christianity. Now, this is a fascinating new podcast based on spiritual principles in this amazing new book, Saving Christianity. I think all of you out there listening to us will agree that this has been an unusual and an interesting interview. I've read the book Saving Christianity myself, and I was just um, just involved with it in its reading. So I'm looking forward to subscribing to the Saving Christianity podcast so I can hear its unique episodes. I hope you'll join me and subscribe to it as well. Just pull up your favorite podcast app or open your favorite podcast directory and click on the yellow logo with the sign of the fish in it. And by the way, while you're on the Internet, go to Amazon Books or to the Barnes & Noble Books website and order a copy of this book, Saving Christianity. It's one of the most inspiring books you will ever read. I personally have recommended it and sent links to so many of my friends. And best of all, you can use your copy to read along with Owen and John as they discuss the amazing facts in the book during the episodes of the podcast. And now until our next interview together, this is Manuel Grady signing off for myself, for Owen Allen, John Shields. Goodbye from the three of us, and we pray in the future each of your days will be more spiritual than the day that came before it. Be well.